Okay, um, this is the Fiction Old and New Book Group, and today is January 4th, uh, 2019, and we're discussing uh, James Baldwin's If Beale Street Could Talk. Um, so I, I have a little information about James Baldwin. Obviously, there's tons of information about him, so I try to keep it as concise as I could, but um, you know, if you're interested, I'm sure you could listen to the Wikipedia or, or whatever source you like. Um, so James Arthur Baldwin was born on August 2nd, 1924 in Harlem, New York City. His mother left his biological father because of the father's drug use. She married David Baldwin, a preacher who, with whom she had eight children. And wow. his stepfather was actually very cruel to James when he was a child. Um, from an early age, his intelligence was noted. One of his teachers in elementary school, a white woman, offered to take him to see plays after she noticed his writing. His stepfather was uncomfortable with this, but his mother overruled this and he was allowed to go. In high school, he worked on the school magazine, but he quit because of constant racial slurs. During high school, um, James explored religion because of his stepfather's influence, but ultimately he decided to leave the church as he deemed it hypocritical. He had been ordained a junior minister in the Pentecostal church and actually drew larger crowds than his stepfather did. He started spending uh, time in Greenwich Village when he was a teenager, and he met a lot of artists there, including Marlon Brando, who was his roommate for a while. Um, while a teenager, he realized that he was gay. Um, his second novel, Giovanni's Room, which explores homosexuality, was ahead of its time when it was published in 1955. He decided to move to France when he was 24 years old after he was denied admission to a restaurant because of his race. He lived in France for most of the rest of his life, but he also lived in Turkey and Switzerland. His home in the south of France was frequented by many famous friends, including Harry Belafonte, Sidney Portier, Nina Simone, Josephine Baker, Miles Davis, and Ray Charles. His first novel, Go Tell It on the Mountain, was published in 1953. His first collection of essays, Notes of a Native Son, was published in 1955. Besides fiction and essays, he also wrote poetry and plays. He served on the editorial board of The Nation until his death in 1987. And he was also known for his social activism and was very involved in the civil rights movements in the United States. Um, so... If it's okay, um, I'm going to just call on people individually just to allow everybody to have a chance to to talk just for, you know, tell us a little bit about your thoughts of, about the book. Um, before I do that, I'm just going to go over the characters um, just to refresh everybody's recollection. So there was a Tish, and Tish's mother is Sharon, and Tish's father was Joseph, and Tisha's sister was Ernestine. And then there's Fanny. And Fanny's father was Frank. And his mother, you'll have to forgive me, I, I actually don't remember her name. And he had two sisters. And then there was the lawyer who was Arnold Hayward. And then there was Mrs. Rogers. And then there was Officer Bell. 
Um, so I'm gonna. I might as well start since I have the the microphone right now. Um, I I really enjoyed this book actually. Um, I I I can't. I don't even know if I've ever read Janice Baldwin before. Um, but I I think he's just a he's he's just a very vivid writer to me. Um, it was really easy for me to picture what was going on with the characters, with the story, um, and he he just kind of can you know, target certain things. Like there was the scene that took place in the Italian market and I could picture what was going on there so easily that, you know, she was touched inappropriately, that the officer, you know, wanted to hurt Fanny, that the Italian woman, you know, came to their, their rescue, all those kind of things. And it was just really, it was interesting. It was easy for me to picture everything. Um, one of the things, I'll just mention one other thing, um, is that when this novel was published originally, which was 1974, he actually got a lot of criticism from black leaders who didn't like the way that he portrayed black people and the black family. So I thought that was interesting because there were two very different families here, um, but he did get a lot of criticism at the time. And I thought that the novel um, I mean, they just made it into a movie, and I could see why they would make this film into a movie because I think, even though some parts of it are a little dated, um, I can, you know, it, it holds up really, really well, I think, for a novel from the 70s. So, why don't I just call on people one by one, and um, we can, um, you know, hear a little bit what everybody thought. So, um, why don't you tell us, Sherry, what you thought about the book? Well, I like the book quite a bit too i think he's an excellent writer he really makes you feel like you know the characters they really come alive in a short amount of time um i thought it was interesting that as an author he chose to write in first person as a woman and i thought occasionally that sort of slipped um it was interesting that she would refer to her parents by their first name. It was almost like he reverted back to third person. Um, and I did not like the ending at all, and I assume we'll talk about that. Um, but I did like the book tremendously up to that point. I thought he gave – he really brought home how awful it would be to have to constantly be in fear of the police who are supposedly there to help you. And even though I know that, of course, not all cops are racist pigs – there are a lot that are, and if you don't know which ones are and which ones aren't, and you're black, you're forced to live your life, even today, as if they all are, because you mm -hmm. just can't be sure and you can't take a risk, because your life could be in danger. It happens all the time. And I thought even in 1974, he did bring that message home, too, in a very good way. <clears throat> and the main characters were quite likable, and um, the sisters, I thought there was a part where Frank, the system you know, sisters who were portrayed as kind of mean and rotten. He was, Frank was awful to them. He suggested they should be prostituting themselves in order to help their mother. I mean, that was just horrible. And you could see why they were rotten kids, uh, rotten women. Um, and you could also see that the one really did love her father and wished she could get his love in return. And uh, I have a couple other small things, but I can bring those up later in a general discussion. Okay. Um, how about you, Alan? What did you think about the book? Yeah. Uh, the, did the book have an ending? I'm kind of like Sherry. Uh, it didn't really seem like it had an ending. But, but, uh, uh, and whose who's alarm is that going off? Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. That was my husband's cell phone. Oh, okay. Oh, his cell phone sounds like, 
Sounds like an alarm. Okay. It's yeah. Uh, I, 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 I can enjoy the book or, or using the vernacular of James Baldwin. I, I was able to dig it. I was able to dig it quite, quite well. So it, it uh, uh, you know, uh, there were things I liked better about it. And I, I really did like the examination of the families and, uh, I, I'm sorry he took a lot of heat for that back then. I'd be curious to know how they wanted him to portray families because it, it, it I mean, I, I'm not familiar with what the black family was like in the early seventies. I'm not sure when he, this was published in 74, but I'm not sure when it was actually penned. It seemed to me like it was said a little bit earlier in time based on some of the language. But, uh, uh, the, I, I thought the way the families were portrayed seemed, seemed very believable. But, uh, uh, but, you know, as I said, uh, I, you know, like, uh, I, I did enjoy his writing and, uh, I, th- I thought it was a good story. I, j- I just wish it had an ending. That, that was my only complaint about it because it just kind of, uh, I mean, I actually went out to Bookshare to make sure that the whole book got recorded by Bard because it seemed to me like <laughs> it just, uh, but, but they had the exact same ending that, that Bard did. So, uh, but yeah, that's, that's my comments for now. So. Okay. Um, how about you, David? What did you think? I actually haven't finished it, unfortunately. I was intrigued to hear that it's been made into a movie, which I may have to try to find at some point. Um, go ahead. You, if people want to talk about the ending, it won't bother me. Spoilers never do. And um, there wasn't one, so okay. <laughs> there's not. Okay, welcome to modern literature. The story just stops wherever yes. it is. Exactly. Because that's how life is or something. It's just when somebody dies, they just, wherever it is, it happens. And um, so I will definitely finish this. I did agree with you from what I've been based, you know, what I, which I've heard, the idea of a male writer writing in a female first person is interesting. I'm reminded of, now this is interesting, her name or his name was Jennifer Wilde, but it was really something like Tom, somebody, he was Tom Wyatt or something. He was from Texas. He was born in the 30s and he wrote books like, what were they, like Love's Wildest Promise. He wrote these sort of long historic romances under a woman's name. So, so I guess there are times when male writers either write under using a, feminine first person or even change their pen name to a woman's name. didn't change his name, obviously. And us, of course, some female writers write, I think, under male names. I think Fern Michaels is a husband and wife team. So it's interesting the various persona that authors use and, and take on in their works of fiction. Okay. Uh, how about you, Liz? What did you think? I really liked the book. Um, it it certainly didn't represent all black families because that would be, that's not impossible. I mean, that's not possible, you know, mm-hmm. but a black family living in New York, in the area of New York that they did, I, it seemed very authentic to me. The language was coarse, but it was authentic. Um, it wasn't, you know, it just wasn't kind of, um, it, it was authentic to that experience. Um, I liked the characters. I found I found their lives just painful. Um, when Sharon, you know, when the family <laughs> mustered all of their resources to send Sharon to Puerto Rico to try to find this woman, I just thought, oh my gosh, this is a family who really loves each other. Um, and I was really invested in the characters, and, and that's why I think I found the ending really profoundly disappointing. I, you know. <laughs> I wanted Farney to get out of jail and I wanted them to be happy and I wanted her to have a healthy baby. And 
we didn't get to see any of that, but um, I did like the book. And, and as everybody said before me, it was very vivid. I mean, I, I was right there in it. I could see what was going on. I could, I could hear the conversations, you know, I could hear these people having these conversations. And so I think he was a very, certainly effective writer and, um, yeah, it's just the ending. It's like, is there a part two? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, how about you, Danielle? What did you think? I enjoyed the book. I was really excited to see that there's a movie coming out. So I definitely want to see the movie. Um, I really felt this was my first James Baldwin book. I really felt that he did an accurate job of portraying the black family in that time period in in Harlem. Um, and I can remember as a little girl using some of the terminology, some of the slang that they used in the mm-hmm. book. That was, uh, that was quite enjoyable. <laughs> it took me back a little bit because I was born in 74. And, uh, yeah, the book just ended on her going into labor. It was really weird. Like, we didn't get to know if he actually got out of jail after all of that. So that was disappointing, but... I don't know. I enjoyed the book. I think I was glad for it to end, just not in that way. Okay. Um, how about you, Jenny? What did you think? Um, yeah, I had a big um, time of reading James Baldwin maybe 20 years ago, and I was glad to be kind of reintroduced to him. Um, I sort of, one of these books that I didn't get to read as thoroughly as I would have liked to, and um I'm looking forward to going over it again. I liked the um, portrayal of the black families. Um, I kind of trust him as a writer. And, you know, he's almost like uh, his ear seems really good for dialogue. I think that the criticism of families is really interesting to me because um, sometimes in literature portraying um, African-Americans, you know, there's and sometimes with disabled people, too. I mean, they're they're completely angelic or they're completely the other way. Um, I thought that, uh, you know, it was, it seemed pretty authentic and the families were extremely um, touching in their, uh, you know, in their desperately trying to help Fawny and the uh, very um, hopeful way they, you know, the couple was going forward with their lives. I thought it was Despite, you know, kind of some, some real problems and challenges. And, um, this was an interesting book. I kind of hesitated to read it because I thought that it was going to be, um, somewhat more militant. This is 45 years ago. To me, the book had a gentle tone. There wasn't a lot of anger and vitriol and that kind of stuff. Um, there was, you know, recognition that, you know, there was, um, prejudice against them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as the ending of the book goes, um, I I was dismayed too, okay? On the other hand, I thought it would have been a cop-out to have a happy ending. And then I was looking. You know, and, I'm sorry, can you hear me? Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I thought it might have been a cop-out to have a happy ending. Um, you know, the ending is uncertain, but, you know, when you're in a situation like this, I really felt the ending meant that Fawnie was going to stay in jail, okay? Because it just seemed like with Frank, who was one of the people who, were, who was driving, you know, the whole situation to get the resources for him, you know, and um, that it was, it was really 
I, I kind of thought that was, you know, it for Fonny, and it was very sad and very dismaying. But um, I thought the ending gave the book some power that it might not have had if it was just a happy ending. And I'll probably have more to say, like you guys, later Good on. Point. Okay. Um, how about you, Marcia? What did you think? Marcia may not be back oh, yet. Okay. How about, um, I'm sorry. How about you, Bob? Did, what did you think of the book? Is well, I, I picked the old guy last. So I'll do my best. I oh, lived, I'm sorry. I lived, in, I lived in 1974, and it was terrible to be black in America, period. It was terrible. Martin Luther King had just been assassinated. Wipe out anybody fighting for justice for black people. I think he conveyed that it is terrible to be black in America on Bill Street. Yes, there are families who are black who are very successful. I hear conservative black talk show guys, oh, the blacks are doing great. It's fantastic. Well, let them go to Bill Street. Let them go to Watson, Los Angeles and tell me it's great. I would not want to be black in America today also because the, the police there were hopeless. And I think I, I think I got it right. I think Fonny did stay in jail. He didn't get out. He was just another lost soul. The prisons in this country are loaded with black people. It's good. Well, they're all bad. It's easy. No, the justice system is just based on that. And I'm not, I, I think he conveyed it very well. And it was a powerful book. It was a powerful book. I think the, the Italian thing was just Fonny being a boy when he told uh, Tish, don't you ever do that again. Protect me. I'm a man. And that's, you know, the old Sidney Portier thing, you know, uh, his movie where the father said, you got to give in, you got to give in. And he says, no, dad, I love you, but I want to be, I'm a man and I won't take it. Uh, I don't, I'm not saying it correctly, but it was it really, I guess it was coming to dinner. Yeah, yeah. That's the one. And he said, Dad, I want to be seen as a man and not as a boy. And I, Bonnie was hard. He made up for he held her, kissed her, and so on, and made it up. But she learned something there. The other one was, um, if I may, two other things. One was um, Ernestine blasting Mrs. Hunt and the girls. The girls were pigs. I'm sorry. Don't give me this. Oh, they love him. And I, they turned on their brother. They didn't stand as a family the way Tisha's family stood with her. And I thought Joe was fantastic and Sharon, fantastic people. And they said, do you love him? Is he worth it? Yes, mama. You know, and they, and they were around the breakfast table and, and, and Sharon said, or Joe, Bonnie, you are in the family. I think Sharon did. You are in our family. And they stood with him and they fought hard to get him that, that Mrs. Rogers, who's awful, uh, you know, she cracked up and they they hit her yeah. in the mountains away. So I was very impressed with the book. It was very well. The reader was outstanding. Uh, James Baldwin was truly a, a great champion in the civil rights movement. Thank you. Great book. Well, um, I just I, I was just going to mention one thing and then we'll we'll go back to Marcia. Um, I, I, I thought it's so interesting that everybody's talking about the ending because the way I interpret it was that the lawyer got him out of jail on bail and that basically he was out on bail and that's how it was. So is it possible at some point that Mrs. Rogers could return and the case could be resumed? It's possible, but I thought essentially he was free. Where did it say? Where did it say? 
I'm, what did it say? Got out on bail, Michelle? Could you give me a line? I didn't. I did, honestly must have missed that. I mean, my the way that I read it, and oh, okay. the way that I read the book it was that the lawyer was working hard to get him out on bail because Mrs. Rogers wasn't going to be able to come back and testify, and she was one of the key witnesses. And they were working hard to discredit the officer as well, who had a history of of you know, these kind of, these incidents, and they were trying to turn his friend Daniel around. But I thought that the, I, the impression I had was that he got out on bail. But they didn't, they didn't they have were the money. Living, that they were sort of living, on, sake, they were living in limbo. They, they didn't but have the money. they really weren't living in limbo, that they were essentially going to be free, but they were always going to have this hanging over their head. So and I, I, pre- I, I appreciate I that, but the money wasn't, the money wasn't there. They didn't, and Frank yeah. was killed. How do you know that they came up with the bail money? It was huge to them. And I, I wish that, that's a happy I'm, sorry, go ahead. I'm done. Bob, I, I kind of see, okay, Michelle, I see, I did re- reread that last part of the book. I kind of agree with Bob and kind of agree with you. Um, you know, yeah, it looks like things might be coming together. But Frank was one of the key people that was, you know, right. driving, getting the funds together. And when he passed away, it was almost like, you know, he he, he was fired from his job. He didn't have, the, you know, the funds. And, you know, he, he obviously got in trouble. I think he said he was going to sell some things that were going to, um, you know, and at, at his work. And um, so... I kind of agree with Bob, but I, I and you make a good case, Michelle, because yeah, I mean maybe they could have, but see that that's where I lost I lost hope, and I think the author was pointing out it was so unlikely that the, the justice institutions at that time would really pursue uh, Mrs. Rogers, would really you know um, you know the lawyer seemed always to me kind of on the edge of, of hopelessness too. I mean, sure, maybe they could have um, pointed out that this policeman lacked credibility, but that to me is a modern day. Back on those times, I just like Bob just felt uh, really dismayed, you know, because, you know, everyone's seen situations like this before in different, all different contexts where every, it just becomes a lost cause. And that's the way I read it, but I can see how you read it too. Yeah, I agree with Bob. That's how I saw it. Like, he didn't get out of jail. Yeah, me too. But I can see why the ending was so ambiguous that you really could read it any number of ways. Yeah. Um, I, I read it, I read it, what, rewound it and read back a little bit thinking I must have missed something. And it was interesting that one of you said that she was labor because so I didn't. I thought maybe she had the baby at, at home already, and it was crazy. Yeah, I did too. I the labor makes more sense. Labor. Actually, right. labor no, makes she's, more sense. Yeah, she, because she said my time had come, and that's when it ended. Yeah, right. yeah. And I didn't. I didn't realize she was in labor. That's all I'm going to say. I thought she was home, and the baby's wailing and wailing, and kept crying. And crying. But I think you're right. I think she that's was in labor. That makes that's sense. a common. That's a very common way back of. Old midwives and things. Okay, her time is coming. Yeah. Oh yes, they yes. they did. You're right. Yep. yep. Michelle. Michelle, so I what, have a wasn't, question. Wasn't the end of the book that he was working on his art, and she was with? I mean, I feel like I'm reading a different book. I'm going to have to go back and read it again. He said but he I wanted thought, to. I thought she art. was with the baby, and he was working on his art at the end. Oh I, no, I did. I missed it then. Wow. I'm sorry. No, he I didn't did. See how you could read it that I did not way. get that at all. Yeah, he said he was work, wanting. He said he wanted to work on his. Okay, and yeah, I, he wanted so he to. Could, 
And I was going to ask you, Michelle, because you probably know this, but if you're in jail in New York, he wasn't in prison yet because he hadn't been convicted. They don't have, like, arts and crafts in the city jails, no. do they? Because earlier they had had yeah. him doing some artsy crafts. With wood, yeah, that's right. They don't have that in the jail. They just have it in no. prison. in prison. I don't know. Well, and wasn't um, – didn't Tish, like, sneak him markers and you know, art materials and stuff? Didn't she bring them to him in jail? Hmm. Yeah, I remember that. They they got some paper to him, and he was doing some sketching, I think. I guess I was away from that part. Okay. But, but yeah. I have one question. I, w- I can wait, but I have one question I have to ask you guys because I didn't read it as thoroughly maybe as Michelle or some of the others did. Okay. It, it, it was an interesting thing that I only caught a sec- you know, today, which was some of this was a little dreamlike or surreal. For example, I, I think it was told first person from the point of view of Tish, unless I'm totally mistaken. And I think no, you're right. you know, she she would be describing what he was doing you know, which must have been speculation or amusing on her part, um, or because, and that's what I thought the woodworking thing at the end was too. You know, I that's a was, good point. Yeah, but I don't know. I was confused by that narration. By having the narrator be first person, I only caught on later that it was Tish, and I, it was kind of a, a surreal type thing in a way. But it worked because I think he has such an ear for. It's almost like he must have been maybe a journalist or something. He has such an ear for. I think um, setting and dialogue. So, if you guys understand that, at some point, let me know. Yeah, I, I think, think it, it switched from first person, like when she went to Puerto Rico. Yeah. It was obviously Tish wasn't there, and I think I got confused when she was calling her parents by their first name because I thought, "Wait a minute, is this somebody else talking about?" Them? Yeah, yeah. And was it the dream about the wood sometimes flashback that he'll be working on his wood and I'll have the baby, you know, we'll, we'll be happy. Uh, it was in the last that, that. that was her fantasizing about the future, yeah. Yeah, that, and it gets confusing, it. though, it sometimes. It, got it could have been more clear, I think, you yeah. know, if, if yeah. you wanted to be an English teacher, you know. Well, I don't understand the title of the book because – that's Memphis. I, 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 I never thought of Bill Street as being a metaphor for the black community, but, but maybe it is. Why wasn't it called if Harlem could talk? I mean, it was set in New York City, uh, and, and if anything, Harlem seems to be more of a, at least in my lifetime, more of a representation of a black area than, than Bill Street does. I mean, Bill I, I don't Memphis, know where Memphis. Bill Street's located. It's in, it's in Memphis, Tennessee. I mean, I is Bill in Street in Harlem? Queen no, Street in Memphis. Memphis. Yeah, it's like Tennessee. Bourbon Street. It's almost like Bourbon Street from Memphis. Yeah. Well, you Wait, know, where let, was... let me ask Michelle. She's a New Yorker. Is Bill Street in Harlem? Bob, it's in Memphis. It's what? There, in is Memphis. One, there is one in Memphis, but there probably is also one in New York. I mean, Maybe it's that we don't know about. I I am yeah, I mean but, I don't live in Harlem but I'm no I know but aware. I just wanted, I'm not aware of Beale Street in okay, New York City it doesn't mean that they don't have it. Okay. Um, Where you know was, what I I somewhere I wrote down what it meant so I'm gonna have to try to find was that. Was Martin Luther King assassinated on Beale Street by any chance? No 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 he was, no, he was assassinated in a hotel. On a rain hotel. Yeah, it was a hotel, but what's I don't know what yeah. street it was. Oh, are, are you guys no, saying, wait a minute. Are you saying not, there's a Bill Street in Memphis? Yeah. That's yes. Yes. Sorry, but I thought it wait, excuse me. I thought it was New York where she was walking the streets. They it, talk about it, it is, it is. New York. The, the book so, that was that Bill York. Street. 
That's why that's, you forget why it. That's why, why I don't that. understand the title of the book, Bob. Yes, because Beale Street but, in Memphis is famous as the home of the blues. It's very yes, it, it's a famous street. Oh I mean, yeah, it, okay, it, I got okay. it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. home I of think, the blues, I think, I think is key here. Yeah, I think he was I talking about iconic. New York. Yeah, that's what why I thought maybe King was assassinated in a hotel on Beale Street, but I. Uh, no, no it, it's not on Bill Street. No. I think it has to do with the connotation of the blues. The as blues, you know, yeah. I mean, the, if it's icon- the if, blues. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if it's iconic like that, you know, I didn't feel that was a, that was yeah, and that was maybe making the book more intriguing too. Than you know, it might have been. You thinking what Bill Street? What? Oh, uh, and uh, wait, let me understand. Are you guys saying that what he what he really meant was Bill Street with the blues, not New York? I'm not clear on that. That she walked I think so. New York. I learned more about New York than it was I terrific. Think, okay. I think that um, what Jimmy said, I agree with, that okay. Beale Street represents blues. Yes. And this... It's a metaphor, maybe. So a if, metaphor. If, uh-huh. the blues, if the blues came alive, family. it okay. would be this family and their lives. Okay. That's good. It's like Main Street, USA. I That's got it. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. 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 That I wanted to ask to, and make one observation. One, I was just checking again on board. There are actually two versions of the book, Veronica yes. Red and Gail Nelson. I'm wondering if people only read one or did people, <laughs> some people read one? And I'm impressed he picks up at age 24 and goes to France. Just picks I read up. Gail Nelson and I thought she was fabulous. Okay. Oh, I, I read, read Veronica Nelson too. Yeah, I, I think I was read Gail Nelson. Gail was Nelson. It? Oh, was it? Veronica? Veronica's, Veronica's shorter. Newswire. Oh, okay, because so Veronica's shorter. I have shorter. a feeling most people read that. What, one of the questions that oh. I saw about this book was they asked, who did you see as the hero of this book, and who did you think showed courage? What, what did you guys think about that? Certainly Sharon showed courage. Yeah. Sorry for that background noise, guys. Yeah, sure. She went to Puerto Rico. She went to a strange area. Like a hero in this story or a heroine? No, courage, she said. And I, th- I said only I'm going to stop. I said that Sharon showed courage to me. Yeah, me too. What about Tish and Fani? Did they show Absolutely. courage, did you say? Sure. Yeah, Tish, Tish did, for sure. I don't think the sisters did. <laughs> and then Mrs. Hunt and Mrs. Hunt, they're cowards. Mrs. Who? They wouldn't back their son at all. Oh, yeah. Why was, why was Mrs. Hunt so... I'm sorry, Micheline, I, I interrupted your question. No, you to, I, I was so confused, maybe because I fell asleep intermittently. Um, why, why was she so... Why was she like that to Fawny? Now, I got the feeling that... Now, Frank was a stepfather. I got the feeling, I, I think. And then, so... Why was she so kind of like antithetical to her son? I don't. I never got that. Um, maybe some of you guys understood that. I, I, I think Frank was his real father. I don't think he was. I'm yeah, thinking his real father. Okay, yeah. okay yeah, maybe yeah, so. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. but his mother. I, I think even the narrator says sometimes that the mother doesn't. Is you know not cared or invested with her son that much. I don't know whether he was too dark skinned. I, I mean, you know. I think I she just didn't like men. Or boys. One, she doesn't seem really invested in anybody but her church and, and her, her sisters. Uh, religi- I, mean, her daughter. I want to was, say religiosity because there's a difference right. between religiosity. Was, Mrs., was Mrs. Hunt half white? But that wouldn't mean anything anyway. But was was she all black? I wonder. I thought I read where she was half white from a rich family or 
She's a snob. She was awful. I don't remember reading that. But Okay, well, she certainly put down Tish. They they weren't good enough for my boy, who's no good anyway. She was awful. She was was there for a reason. She was probably color-struck. Some biracial or mixed-race people in the African-American community internalize white uh, standards, and the lighter you are, the better you. She might have been in that kind of thing. Yeah, but they yeah, never mentioned kidding. anybody's oh, okay. lightness. Oh, okay. I thought it was Baldwin had a lot of conflicting feelings about religion, and I yeah. thought maybe you some can't of, blame him. of his feelings came no, out uh, in I her think character. She, I, Sherry, I think they did mention lightness and darkness. I thought they did. But okay. They did. Somewhere. Yeah. Fonny was much darker than his sister, I believe yeah. they said. And I had well, a black, uh, an aide who happened to be black right. who told me, I didn't know this, the discrimination in the black community is based on the, 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 the your skin. Light. Yes. And she, was, yes. she said, I didn't, I didn't face discrimination yeah. like yeah. my yeah. black, black yeah. sister. But the yeah. darker they were, they got it. There's a, paper, paper there's, a there's a book that I just read right. called Passing by Nella Larson, who's uh-huh. an author from the uh, Harlem Renaissance. And it's basically about that, how some black people that are very, very fair-skinned yeah. would, in effect, pass as, as white people because they, they were just treated yeah. so much better. Um, well, you know, yeah. But this they woman that I knew did not yeah. pass. She was black. But I said, do you face the discrimination we're talking about in government? And no, but it happens because I'm more light skinned. It's my dark uh, fr- black friends that really yeah. get it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. But I can't tell you that I've, I have known about discrimination against me. What were you going to say, Daniel? Yes, I can speak yeah. to that because I'm considered more of a, I have a reddish brown complexion. So that's more of a darker skinned person. And I, you know, I got it coming up. And it it's very prevalent, and because you have some black guys, like uh, they'll say, "Pretty." Oh, if you put a picture of me and somebody else, if they're lighter skin, they'll pick the lighter skin person, and that mm. really makes me angry. It really I don't blame you. And there's yeah. all that hair stuff: yeah. good hair versus bad, bad hair. hair. And yes. the, and the paper they, bag test. Yeah, tell yeah. about the bag test, David. That's 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 pretty common. In yeah. certain yeah. places, especially, I think. It may be, especially in the South, your skin had to be no darker than a paper bag to get into certain elite organizations. I've never heard that. I've never heard that yeah. either. <laughs> yeah. Really? It's, uh, not, it's not spoken of, but it still exists today. It, it really yeah. does. Oh, yeah. wow. And I, and I just want to say, back to Michelle's question about who is heroic, okay, I think maybe 60, 70% of the people were heroic in this book. I mean, they... Um, we're trying to have like a quality, you know, life full of, you know, wonderful things, love and, and, uh, you know, they were, what is my definition of courage is pursuing, you know, a quality of life despite the obstacles in front of it, you. And there they did that it, by that definition. So I'm sorry, Michelle, I busted into your question. So go ahead. No, that's fine. That's um, okay. I, I, I was just wondering, do you think that this story, could happen today. Yes. Do you, you think? Oh. Do you think that this is something that we've grown past as a society, nope. or do you think that this is this is just present today? I'm not sure they get away with having a lineup with only one black person. Yeah, really. Boy, the rest so of the stuff I think could happen that they trump. Yeah, up. yeah the lineup was bo- bogus. But the lineup, I think, yeah. the lawyer would be all no. over that. No, that. And I think the cops would be smart enough not to try to pull that. No. Today. Yeah. 
The president we is have still the ACLU now too. I think more there's more political organizations, but I think this could have happened easily. Yeah. But then, then Danielle, maybe you could help me here. Why is it said? I don't know. Okay, that black cops are worse on the black race than white cops. A generalization, but some black cops are really rugged. They will write a book. They is that be? I'm, I'm not going to okay. answer. I don't know. I have no idea. I can answer. Okay, that's a, a fair. Male. That's a fair answer. I don't either. I don't have an idea either. May I speak to that one? Go. Okay. Um, I okay. This, it's the same kind of concept as when I was doing rape crisis counseling. One of my jobs was to be court advocate for people, mm-hmm. and the women were always like inevitably they'd say, "Oh gosh, I hope most of the jury is going to be women." I said, "No, you don't." No. Women juries are notoriously bad on rape victims. And it's that whole, I don't want to believe this could happen to me, so I have to convince myself that you somehow brought this. Yeah, you out. deserved it or something. Right. And I think the same concept is true or can be true with black police officers. Not only do they have to show their white coworkers or the white counterparts that they are tough, um, but they also want to believe that they're not the same as the people, the thugs or whatever that they're going to, I don't know. I think that it's that whole, I made it and I have to. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's an answer. Right. Yeah. I hate to say that's, it, but I've also, seen it. I've also seen it with some blind people in a different context where they have become extremely successful and are no, not at all interested oh. in helping anyone else. Oh, I, uh, David, exactly. I can tell you a few, I can show you a few exactly. blind guys who have done that. Who yes. forgot yeah. where they came from. Through whatever, uh, maybe a lucky break, a happenstance, maybe birth. Right. birth whatever. Also, there's, another, there's another concept. We used to call it the Queen Bee Syndrome, where a woman would be able to rise up through to the administrative levels, and she mm-hmm. was notoriously horrible to a female. Her yeah, female and wouldn't help anybody else come up. W- and wouldn't help anybody else and wouldn't. You got it. it I got mine. You get yours. It, yeah. Exactly. I, used to, um, I used to work with a lot of cops, and I had a black cop tell me one time when he had brought in somebody mm-hmm. for some violent act that he was embarrassed, mm-hmm. um, and that made him angry. And okay. he was not—he was by himself. He wasn't with his partner. We were talking about it, and I found that really interesting because I said, "Well, this doesn't reflect on you." No. But it does. He somehow think. seemed to feel that mm-hmm. way, and I'm mm-hmm. sure that's not representative of all black cops. But he certainly expressed that. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. I well, a question. Oh, go ahead, Alan. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm just gonna say I, I'm over at my brother's house, so I'm gonna have to say good night. Oh, what are you eating today? I, no, that's all right. No, we we went out. I'm jealous. Pizza. That's all right. Yeah, but but I'm gonna mute myself and and so okay. that I don't interrupt anything. But I'm gonna. I'm say gonna say your brother is a good guy. And, and thanks for all your thanks for everybody's comments. I I enjoyed the discussion. For it was good to have you. Yes. Yeah, so, all right. He's got so, a wonderful brother. Absolutely. Everybody have a great weekend. I was going to ask a question about Frank. Um, did you guys assume that was suicide? Because yes, I, I did. thought it's pretty, and I asked a couple of guys I know who know about cars, okay. and it's pretty sketchy that you would be able to suicide by carbon monoxide sitting out outside. You would have to have a really leaky car with airtight mm. windows, or you would have to deliberately punch a hole in the exhaust uh, pipe under the car. It just... Yeah. Is not yeah. it's, that's a pretty sketchy thing, and maybe you know I'll cut Baldwin some slack. He might not know anything about that. So I, wait, what? What did he in his? They did they find him in the car? I'm not clear. When, I thought they found him in the car in the woods. I did, huh? Man, I think I'm going to have to go back and read the Gail Nelson version. 
<laughs> yeah, she read it good. I thought that he was in the country. They found him in the country, and he was dead, and I, I thought it would be suicide. But, Cherry, the way you explain it now, it's not that easy to do. Well, they, yeah, they didn't say he shot himself <laughs> or anything, and they just no. said they found him in the car in the country. Yeah. Yeah, so, and so yeah. I assumed it was carbon monoxide. But I'm being, I'm being pretty petty here. But I no, you're not. That, I didn't know how it's done. I don't want to, I don't want to know either. <laughs> I wondered about that too, Sherry, and uh, I thought I have to remember not to <laughs> not that mechanical. Okay, but it seems pretty. I mean, it, it was just kind of like uh, now it, it was just such so dismaying, though a terrible scene. Mm-hmm. But if if he meant that Beale Street being the blues, Allah represents all black people, I don't. I could see where they would attack him from that angle. A little bit, some of the leaders. But I don't think, I assumed he was talking about Bill Street, New York, like we talk about Watts, California. I, don't. I, 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 guess thought, because- I thought what they were saying was, I think they didn't like the way that Fani's family was portrayed, because I don't know what the problem they could have with Tish's family that right. was a very supportive family. So very I thought supportive. maybe they just thought that this was the kind of family that they, they didn't like to see actually portrayed. But I thought... You know, yeah. I mean, it didn't. It didn't matter to me if they were white or they were black. I mean, the, it was, you know, families. Are families. Family. Not every family yeah. is such a great family. So, well, and you know, the interesting thing is, is a lot of times black families have been portrayed as a single mom raising her kids. Both of these mm-hmm. families had both a mom and a dad. Mm-hmm. Yes, they they both had their issues. Which families yeah. have issues? Mm-hmm. They were different in that Tisha's family was. I mean. The way they received and celebrated her nurse, her her um, baby pregnancy was just pregnancy. amazing. I it mean, was great. It some, yeah, it's like wow. I, I, I don't think anybody <laughs> do that, you know. It really was because I was nervous for her. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh yeah. So call them up, I, call the hunt, call the hunts up. Let's get together. Yeah, yeah I I don't know. It really might have been people feeling, I don't want people to know that this is really how my family is or something. I don't know. (laughs) It's like, you know. (laughs) Oh, well. Did you remember that line? I think it was Joe that said it. I thought, wow, this is so, whatever you want to call it, progressive or enlightened or whatever. He said, now, don't you go thinking you're bad or any such foolishness. You know, I mean, he really was grounded, I thought. And I really. Oh, my goodness, yes. So. Yeah, that, that was a really wonderful scene where they all come together, where they could have fallen apart. I, I like the scenes also where Sharon went to Puerto Rico. I thought he described them so well. Yes. You know, how she, how she found Mrs. Rogers and, and right. the way she was talking to her and just her sitting in the nightclub and having the drink and, mm. and all that. I thought it was, I thought they were very well done. That was really sad because I'm sure that woman really was raped and she didn't know. Yes. And, yeah. right. but, uh, but they only had one black man in the thing and she picked him out. Right. You know, yeah. Yeah. that's right. crazy, that lineup. That was awful. Yeah. Really bad. Yeah. Anyway, let's hope it's getting better. That's all we can do. Uh, I have a question for the group that read the book, um, maybe um, where it was dealing with, you know, police issues. And, and those have been very prevalent with, uh, you know, uh, like Sherry was saying, 
how much trust can you put in the legal system right now if you're black? Um, did you guys read, I didn't read it, The Hate You Give. How would you compare? Oh, yeah, yeah. Wait, what is the name of the book? The Hate, the hate You Give. That's another movie. Oh, okay. We read yeah. that. It's, it's a book as well. Yeah. yeah, we read it in fictional to new. How do you think it compared to, is there any relevance here? <laughs> I liked this book better, but I'm not sure why. I think the characters were more vivid for me in this book. Oh, yes. But the other book was quite good, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think I'll read it now. I would recommend it. I thought yeah. it was very good. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to um, um, the come up that's coming out in, in the spring, which is her next book. It goes back to Garden Heights, where the hate you give was done. So. Oh. Well, there were some similarities between the hate you give and this book. I mean, she also had... A star was her name. She had a very supportive family as well, mm-hmm. as as Tish did in this story. Um, she was a witness in 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 that particular story, so she saw right. her friend get shot by you know the police officer, um, and she was in a terrifying situation as well. And she didn't want to be discovered. And eventually, the community you know found out what was going on or whatever. So there, I think there's similarities between the books, but I think there it's, it's a little bit of a different story because in this case he mm-hmm. was wrongly imprisoned and that wasn't really the same situation in the hate you give. So it's, there's similarities, but there are some differences too. Well, um, I guess we can, um, Sherry, do you want to tell us about our next book for February or? Sure. Our next meeting is going to our next um, book is going to be Love and Ruin by Paula McLean, and that's M C capital L A I N, and the D B number is nine zero eight eight zero. It's about eleven something hours. This is about Martha Geldhorn, who was the third wife of. Ernest Hemingway, she was a journalist in her own right, and she was a war correspondent who did some pretty amazing things. Um, It talks a lot about her relationship with Ernest Hemingway and how she got involved with him. Like I said, she was his third wife. It also does have some stuff about her journalism and her experience as a war correspondent during the um, Spanish Spanish Civil War in Spain as well as World War II. Um, So I, I thought it was pretty interesting and i hope people will like it so again it's love and ruin and it's by paula and paula is spelled p-a-u-l-a the usual way mclean m-c-l-a-i-n nine zero eight eight zero wait i'm sorry repeat the the db again nine zero eight eight zero thank you she actually wrote it's I didn't realize it when you picked this book, but I actually have read two other books of hers. Oh, wow. Her, her, her first book is The Paris Wife, which oh, yeah. is about Hadley Richardson, who was Ernest Hemingway's first wife. Oh, and that was a really excellent book. Um, and her second book is Circling the Sun, which is about Beryl Markham and her life when she lived in, in Africa. Um, but I guess she came back to Hemingway on and this book, and, and she's talking about his his third wife. So she she specializes in these kind of biographical <laughs> historical fiction stories about women. Um, so she skipped like his second wife, huh? <laughs> Maybe yeah. she wasn't very interesting. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> well, she's in this book too, so just not in a whole lot of detail. <laughs>
Well, thank thank you everybody for coming. Uh, I'm very happy that we had such a nice turnout. I really thought right after New Year's, I thought I might be sitting here on my own. So I'm I'm very oh, happy okay. that I am very happy that people came and and you know I hope that you all in, enjoyed the book. So what's what's the book for next month? Uh, it's Love and Ruin by Paula McLean, M C L A I N. And the DB number is 90880. It's about Martha Gildhorn, who is Ernest Hemingway's third wife and a war correspondent in her own right. Love and, love love and, and ruin. And a great discussion today, ladies. She did a fabulous job. Thank you. What's the DB number? 90880. Okay, well, great. I enjoyed the discussion. Yeah, this has been a really good discussion. Yeah. Very good. Everybody enjoy your weekends. Okay. You too. Thank you so much. I'm going to leave, so if you want to talk all night, you can. Does someone have a bird? I hear a bird too. That's uh, that's my brother's bird. He's a parakeet. Rainy. Oh, cool. Oh. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay. yes. yeah. It's so. usually was was it Shell that had birds outside when she was talking? <laughs> yes, it was Shell. Yeah, we missed her tonight. Yeah, yeah. I haven't ran into Shell in a couple few months now. It seems. Yeah, she wasn't okay. here last month either. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I hope it warms up there for you, Alan. Uh, he just left, I think. Ah, you're the host, Liz. <laughs> I had a question for you, Liz. Quickly, you have yeah. a you have an echo, right? I do. I got one for Christmas, and I've I've kind of figured out a lot of stuff. But I have you ordered stuff from Amazon on your Echo? I have not done okay. that yet. I want to figure out how to do that. Marsha, Marsha has done that. Oh. Um, it should be. Uh, do you have an Amazon uh, account? Yeah. Okay. So if if your Echo is linked to your account, you should just be able to say um, order X Y Z. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Try it. Okay. Just say you know, Alexa, order something. You know. I'll have to see if I can get her to bring up my previous orders and then just say reorder. That. Oh, there you go. Okay. There you go. How's your kitties? Just fine. They're here. Bugging me like crazy because they think it's past time to be fed. <laughs> oh, see, I, yes, I fed mine before. The- <laughs> you were smart. <laughs> because I had two, in, literally two in my lap, one next to me, oh. and one was reaching up from behind, beside the chair, grabbing my arm. Like, come oh. on. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh. oh, that's terrible. So, yeah, you know, if you, if you really need to do something where you've got some peace and quiet, you gotta feed the cats first yeah yeah i don't know if you um for the mystery book club this month i saw Uh that they were reading us starting a series well they're not going to do the series but they're reading the first book in the series a cat in the stacks i am loving it it is are you yes one of the main main characters is a main coon named diesel Uh (laughs) it kind of hits home I'm enjoying it. So it's, are you it's, reading it's, it, letting your cat listen to it too? Well, <laughs> uh, my main coon is, he's an older guy, so he kind of, he's off to himself a lot. But So he's feeling a little bit like this cat is a show off. Probably. Cat in the book, know, yeah. <laughs> it's like my, my, he's, 
He's young. He's only a two-year-old kitty, so oh. Rocky hasn't seen two in a long time. I don't read a lot of mysteries, but I've been tempted to read those because I've heard they were funny. They're fun. Yeah. They're fun, and they're not, you know, they're 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 you know interesting. And um, but I tell you, between I've got like four different mystery series now that that I can read when I'm kind of floundering out here wondering what in between other things yeah yeah i don't think i was going to try to do the bully pulpit but i don't think i'm going to get that read in time for tuesday well he only wants to read the first nine chapters for the first discussion oh oh okay i so yeah yeah there's no way i'm not going to be there but i did read that book it's excellent she is such a good writer oh good okay she just brings it alive it's not dry at all oh good good Thirty-four hours. That's I don't mind long books, but whoa, that's a long. Yeah, book. he split it in. He split it in at least two because he said just the first nine chapters for the first meeting. Okay, that makes so, sense. Yeah, so you are you taking probably. classes this semester? Are yeah, you, yeah. Yeah, what you taking? Um, a survey of the Old Testament, which should okay. be colorful and interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Henry V and Joan of Arc. And then a class on the Beach Boys, which I'm kind of indifferent oh, to. Oh, what fun. <laughs> yeah, I think it'll be fun, yeah. It's always well, interesting it breaks to hear up, about It breaks song. up a little bit of the dry, you know, the, the other. Serious you know, stuff, the intensity, yeah. The intensity, yeah. And it's oh, fun to hear the songs and, like, why they wrote them and what they're supposed yeah. to do and all that stuff. So, yeah, it'll be fun, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, for a while I'm going to have Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And oh. then, then it'll drop off to, to none for a while because I'm not going to take... Shakespeare and Aeschylus and some other things. So yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. How were your holidays? Just great. Yeah, it was really great. Lots of time with family. You, lots of family. Did you everybody. go away? I'm sorry. Did you go away? Yeah, I went up to Northern Indiana, where my um, mother-in-law, where where I grew up, actually, and that's just okay. where we always go for Christmas. So. Did you get any snow or? No, no. No, we've it's been dry. Yeah. I, we keep hearing that the last part of the winter is supposed to be bad, cold and lots yeah. of snow. And now it just feels like we're on the premises of Yeah. Premises, well, of you've spring, had some you know. snow, haven't you? So we far. We got about we got about almost 7 inches in November and we've had a trace in December. Wow, it's seven a trace. Inches. Yeah. Yeah. And it came it di- it didn't come all at once, so it w- we would just wake up every day and there'd be a little bit of snow on the ground, but just uh-huh. enough, you know, but that happened several days. Ah, okay. So yeah. we still have not had a solid white ground cover where you'd say it, we have snow on the ground. Right. We'd have mostly white, you know, where, where the grass was mostly white, but yeah, usually it ended up melting mostly by the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Oh, cool. Well, did so, you have a nice new year's Eve? You know, it was very quiet. Yeah. We just sat at home and watched um, uh, Wallander on Netflix. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Well, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. No, it's very quiet. You know, we don't do anything for New Year's Eve. It's like, oh, <laughs> too crazy out there. Yeah. We went over to my nephews and his wife and everybody well, you know, watched the ball drop. And they were playing oh. games, but unfortunately, they were playing games on their phones and on the big screen oh. TV. So I couldn't do that. But uh, the old people were all sitting. We were all sitting around chatting. So it was fun. Okay. Yeah. Was no. so fun. That would be fun. I could see myself doing that. But we, I never go out for New Year's Eve. It's like, no yeah. way. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I don't. Well, I guess we'll desert Marsha and... I guess. She'll be the host oh. when we both go. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. 
Well, I'll talk to you sometime soon then. Okay. Maybe maybe I'll try to get those nine chapters read and show up Tuesday. Well, that'd be great. Yeah, I'm going to definitely download it and listen to it. But Tuesday, I'm is not that gonna... a nine? Oh, that's right. Is that a nine o'clock group on Tuesday? No, he changed it to eight. I found out the oh, hard okay. way because I showed up at nine last time and they were almost. Oh, it was so... quite, quite embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> I had read the book yeah, too. Well, yeah. Okay. Uh, Hi guys. So eight o'clock. I've done that before. Okay. All righty. Well, okay. I'll catch you later. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Zoom link the meeting.